Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Well, the internet is slow, which is partially responsible, but um, I've actually been out. I've been out to do a trip to get a computer from the clinic because it's got data on it that we need. So um, anyway, I'm here now, okay? So uh, I hope you're well and I hope everything's working. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I've got some questions. If you've got any questions, feel free to chip in and ask away. Uh, I'd be very happy to have a bash at answering them. I hope you're all trying to find some thing to do while at home. Keep busy. I'm keeping busy. I've got to be honest. I am busy, uh, which is good. So, uh, well, leads me into the first question, which is, uh, are you still open? So... Are you still open? I'm going to say yes. Yes. Although it sort of depends what you mean by open, because we're not able to see people at the clinic and there's, and so non-essential travel. So is, is not being advised. So we are all um, around, but we're all at home. So we're working from home, basically. So is are you still open? Yes. So if you answer the phone, it gets diverted to the clinic mobile phone, which is with Nicola. If you email, we can still see the emails. If you, um, I'm still doing clinics, but virtual clinics, and I took some of the questions about my virtual clinics. So I'm trying to stay as sort of normal as possible, but uh, clearly it's not a very normal situation and no one's really having business as usual, but we're still able to serve and do what we can, but in in terms of actually the end point of doing an operation on someone, that isn't happening at the moment because we've got to distance ourselves socially. So we are still very much open and doing anything we can on a distant basis, which basically means talking to you and giving advice and help and what have you. So if you've got any, I've written to all my patients, if they've got any problems or anything like that, then that's fine. They can email and send photos and what have you. Um, so, and I'm still trying to, as I say, keep clinics going. And I've uh, oh, some questions about that. So I don't want to, don't want to get, don't want to take away from the other questions. But yeah, I would say that we are still open. Although if you went to the clinic, it's uh, all locked up. So uh, we're not. The, the clinic is not. We're not seeing patients at the clinic at the moment. I don't know about you. My hands are all dry and all crack. They get like that. You wash your hands too much. I know you're supposed to moisturise, and I do moisturise, but anyway. Um, oh, uh, Olivia's here. Hey, Olivia, nice to see you. Khan, what's that? Is that clapping? I think that's clapping. Uh, 
is it terrible to have more than one video consultation? Um, well, if you need, a, it's just like a normal consultation, Olivia. If people need a consultation, they can come to the clinic as you know as often as they want. If they've got questions or if they're worried about something or what have you, I always say there's open ended uh, in terms of the consultations of the clinic. Um, so you know we haven't got a limit on the consultations. It's same as people coming to the clinic. Um, if 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 there's an issue, then that's that's absolutely fine. Hi JJ, I've just joined. Can I ask a question? Am I too late? <laughs> Am I too late? <laughs> no, Tracy, you're far from too late. You're far from too late. You, in fact, you're perfect. Perfect timing. Fire away, Tracy. You fire away. I got some questions here. We got the RMI still open one out of the way, but you fire away, Tracy. And I'll um, I'll crack on with my second question in my list, and then if I if you ask a question, then I'll answer it as well if I can. So uh, first question here: Will you be still be offering virtual consultations in the current climate? Um, not quite sure what they mean by in the current climate, because uh, to be honest with you, actually, I think one thing this has done for everybody really has made us realise how much we can do virtually. Um, I was speaking to my brother who travels a lot and. He's doing loads, obviously, everything, everyone's doing it all virtually. He works for a big company and they all um, goes all over the world. And, and I think people after this will realise there's quite a lot you can do virtually. And I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder if once this is all over, we'll still be doing quite a lot of virtual consultations. Saves people getting in the car, saves the environment. Um, and a lot, you can do a lot with a virtual consultation. So... In answer to your question, will I still be offering them in the, in the current climate? Well, because of the climate, current climate is why, why I've started offering them, because I wasn't really offering them before. I'd done a few uh, on Skype, but it wasn't really a big part of my practice. But um, so definitely, yes, I am doing only virtual consultations and um, definitely will be carrying on doing that. And it's quite like tomorrow I've got about 14, I think. Um, so, yeah, definitely offering virtual consultations because basically that's all I can do at the moment in terms of engaging with, with patients. Um, when will you start operating again in hospitals? Well, the private hospitals are going to start helping with the NHS. So that is going to happen mid-April um, from what I understand, but that will be doing NHS work, cancer work, urgent cancer work. And so um, I'll probably be doing that work in the private hospital to start with. So, um, but that'll be NHS work. So, it, if the question is when will you start operating in hospitals doing private work, that's a very good question. So, first of all, we've got to get this all over with. And your guess is as good as mine to how long that's going to take three months, six months, 12 months. I don't know. Um, I don't know if anyone knows really. So um, I guess they just have to see how it goes. So when that is all over, then the next phase will be getting back into the private hospitals because obviously they'll have a lot of work which hasn't been done. There'll be our work, but there'll be a lot of general surgeries, surgery, hernia, uh, hip replacements, joints, what have you, which will probably, I don't know, I don't know, but it probably will get priority over us. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, put it like that, if there's a lot of surgery that needs to be done more urgently, if you like, than um, our surgery. 
So I would imagine even when the hospitals start doing private work again, which will be several months, should we say, it might be some time after that before we're able to get back into theatre and get uh, some theatre theatre slots and, and theatre space. Which leads me on to the next question. I can see those questions in the chat, but leads me on to the next one, which is, are you offering minor ops at the moment? Because we have our own operating room in the clinic where we do minor ops, but we are not doing them at the moment because, again, you have to be distant two metres apart. So obviously that we can't do that in the minor ops. But when we start operating again, I suspect, well, I know that we'll be able to go straight in and do minor ops. So we'll be doing those straight away and it will be so that will probably come before we're doing the bigger procedures because we rely on the hospitals for the bigger procedures, which I think will be uh, prioritising other cases. So, uh, no, we're not able to do minor ops at the moment, but as soon as the the um, recommendations have been relaxed, and if you remember before the lockdown came in, they were talking about large gatherings and people less than 10 and, and what have you. So we had systems in place to ensure that everything one was um, spaced out and we were just obviously seeing one person at a time. So if the recommendations are relaxed again, uh, then we will hopefully be able to do minor ops relatively soon, but the major procedures will probably take a bit longer. So here we go. Leah's got a question. I've got a Query, I had a breast reduction a year ago and I've not long found out pregnant. Is there anything I need to be aware of in regard to my breast? Will I be able to breastfeed? Good question, Leah. I don't know. You might not be able to breastfeed. Now, first of all, you might not have been able to breastfeed anyway, because some people can't breastfeed, but you might say, oh, I've had a child already and I know I, and I breastfeed that, that child. When you have a breast reduction, you keep the nipple, blood supply, nerve supply and milk ducts on a, a stalk, what's called a pedicle. And we actually can't see how many milk ducts are in that pedicle. So we hope we've left enough milk ducts in that pedicle so that when we move that pedicle up, which is part of the breast reduction, you're still able to breastfeed. So we would hope you would still be able to breastfeed, but we can't guarantee it because we don't know how many milk ducts are in that pedicle. And so there is a chance you might not. So I'm sorry it's not a um, definite answer, but it's it, that's, that's the fact. So you hope that you will be able to breastfeed, um, and but you might not. So I hope that's helpful, Leah, and good luck with that. And congratulations on the uh, pregnancy. Well done. Fantastic. Tracy, um, I am nearly five weeks post-op having a TT, uh, uh, so tummy tuck, muscle repair, and lipo to back, abdomen, and flanks. Could you tell me what the best exercise is for me whilst I am at home? Thank you. So first of all, Tracy, I don't think you're my patient. Are you my patient? So if you're not my patient, take whatever I say with a pinch of salt and talk to your surgeon because I don't really want to start telling you stuff that other surgeons don't agree with because five weeks post-op is quite soon post-op. And so different surgeons have different views on, to, on what you can do. So um, I need a disclaimer. I have got a disclaimer, haven't I? I had a disclaimer. Where's my disclaimer? So... Um, yeah, that, that's the first thing to say. What you better talk, listen to your surgeon, not me. But if you, if it was me, can't find it. Anyway, if it was me, I normally say after two weeks you can start getting back into stuff like obviously walking, you know, gen, gentle things. 
nothing too heavy. Um, and then four to six weeks. So you're five weeks now. So around now, you can sort of start, usually four to six. So as a surgeon dependent, but around now, I would, if, it, if you were my patient, I would allow you to start gently getting back into things. Um, obviously, you can do lower body stuff like walking, stepper, um, things like that. But things which are a bit more impact, like running, gently, got to be gentle. And certainly things which uh, involve your core, then you've got to be very careful. And I would say start getting back into it. Start gently see how you feel if it hurts if it starts to swell if it's uncomfortable back off if it doesn't hurt carry on so i could think you can start getting back into some gentle exercises see how you feel if it hurts then you can um stop and if it doesn't hurt then carry on so best exercise well i guess in you know lower body um and avoiding your core I guess would be the best exercises. But if you do want to do things with your core, then you would, you can start gently getting back into it. But as I say, always best to talk to your surgeon, Tracy, because I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to tread it on anyone's, on anyone's toes. Don't want to get in trouble. It sounds like it'll be a very long time to my surgery then. I, I don't know, Olivia, I really don't know. Um, But I guess prepare for it. And then if it's sooner, then we're all happy. And if it's not, then we thought it was going to be a long time. It's a nightmare, isn't it? Terry, I believe I'm right in saying that is a clap. No, no, it's not a clap. That's a wave, is it? It's the same as what Khan did, isn't it? Is that a wave? Yeah, I think that's a wave. Wave back to you, Terry. Nice to see you. Um, Leah, thank you so much. Well, thank you for asking a question and good luck with everything, Leah. Hope it all goes well and I uh, hope you're enjoying your time at home. Um, are you offering my We've done that, haven't we? This is a good one. Are all of your surgeons offering free virtual consultations at the moment? They're not, you know, because this has all crept up on us all a bit. I think it's well it's crept up on us, maybe not everybody. And so I just sort of just got this out there and I thought, well, look, you know, if I'm not going to do clinics, let's do virtual clinics. And so I just did it for me. Um, but if I get busier um, and, you know, if this goes on, why not? Uh, the other thing is Vicky. I thought of Vicky getting Vicky involved, Vicky doing virtual consultations. So the, currently it's just me because I know where my, my sessions are. Now, the other surgeons, all of the other surgeons work in the NHS. So obviously there's they're going to be spending time in the NHS. You see, I know I've got diary time that I can put in. That I'm that I'm available. Um, so that's the that's the that's what you need if you're going to be offering virtual consultations, especially if you're going to be booking them online, because you don't want people booking appointments online. Then you realise you can't fulfil because you've got other commitments. So that's a bit of a nightmare. So I know I've got slots which I can be free, but why? But in principle, why not? So not at the moment, but you know, if it gets busy, if it doesn't get busy, then I'll just carry on doing them. But if it gets busy, definitely I get them involved and I would definitely get Vicky involved. And certainly, as I say, when we come out of this, I think it's going to be part of our practice. And I think we'll, we'll all be offering them. I do. I think it'd be good. Be a good thing. Save petrol, save emissions and everything. Save people driving. I think if you had a follow up, you'd probably be happy to have it virtual. I would have thought, wouldn't you? If you had... What I can see is us doing half, like maybe doing one day a week virtual, one day in person so and say to people look how you know if you're feeling okay and everything we'll just have a chat video thing 
and if you, if you want to come to the clinic, you know, you come for come to the clinic off of the Friday clinic, and we'll do a virtual one on Wednesday, or whatever. I can see that. Uh, be good to talk to Vicky. Yeah, yeah. So, um, are all of your surgeons in which hospitals do you operate? So, I operate well. Priory and Park. Priory is in Edgebaston. Parkway is in Solihull. One of the things about my practice is that hospitals don't really send me patients. So all of my patients are coming through my clinic rather than coming through the hospital, which means I can take them whichever hospital I want. And so we were looking before this all went sideways at the Droitwich, which is somewhere I used to work. BMI Joitwich. So we, we might be taking patients down there just simply because of theatre availability. Um, the other two hospitals weren't able to give us enough slots. So we were looking at um, Joitwich. So I can work in any, I've got practicing privileges at Joitwich, West Midlands in Hales Owen, Little Aston in um, Little Aston, um, in Little Aston. <laughs> is that what the place is called, Little Aston? Spire. Yeah, it's called Little Aston, isn't it? Anyway, I don't really, I've got privileges there. I don't really go there. Um, anyway, point is, yeah, I've got privileges at lots of, lots of hospitals in the area, but I mainly work at Priory and Parkway and possibly going to start going doing something Droitwich. Right. Um, Paul? Tracy. Could you also tell me how long I have to keep wearing my binder, please? I keep being told different things. It certainly has helped me. Tracy, are you my patient? Don't ask me these questions. Um, I don't. I don't think you are. I don't. Are you? Anyway, Tracy, ask your surgeon is your best bet because everyone's different. And I say day and night for a month. I say, but if you're not my patient, it doesn't matter what I say. Um, so, uh, but sometimes as you say it's helped you. Sometimes people like to wear it for longer. So particularly in this weather, in the summer months, people can't wait to get rid of it. So I say day and night for a month and then see how you go. And you can take it off at night and you can maybe wear it if you're going out shopping. Do you remember what that was? If you're going out and things like that, but you're not doing that anymore. So, but anyway, Tracy, as I say, wish I had my disclaimer, scroll along the bottom. This is just my opinion. What do I know? check with your surgeon because your surgeon is your best person to um to give you advice on that sort of thing donetta lovely to see you donetta i hope you're coping in inside is droit which part of the same group as solihull spire no it's part of the same group as priory bmi so spire is the same as little aston so little aston in Sutton Coalfield, isn't it? Sutton Coalfield, that's what it's called. Yes, I knew knew it had a name. So Spire in Sutton Coalfield, Spire in Parkway, which is Solihull, and there's also one in Worcester called, um, oh, God, I want to say Sandbanks. It's not Sandbanks, is it? Um, um, Anyway, there is one in Worcester called South, South Bank. South Bank, I think it's going to something like that. Anyway, um, and then the BMI ones are Priory and Joitwich. Yeah. But having said that, isn't BMI being bought by Circle? I don't know. So there's Circle now, so it might be so. So in which case, it might be, not be the same as Priory, because I think Priory is being bought by Circle. But I don't know if BMI, uh, I don't know if Joitwich has been bought by Circle. Who knows? Who knows, Donetta? Who owns all these hospitals? What's going on? I don't know. 
Helen, yes, Little Aston. Little Aston is in Sutton Coalfield, isn't it? Is it called Little Aston though? Okay, right. Maybe <laughs> it's called Little Aston. You will know when you didn't need your binder anymore. Your body will tell you. Look at that, Donetta. Take Donetta's advice because she's not going to get in trouble for giving you advice. All right. So talk to Donetta. Don't ask me. Donetta knows. Donetta knows her stuff. Hi, JJ. When you are saying about the NHS starting ops again mid-April, what would your opinion be for the rest of the private ops at private hospitals that don't have anything to do with the NHS? I hope that makes sense. So a private hospital that has its own operating theatres. Right. Natalie, none of the private hospitals have anything to do with the NHS. So the private hospitals are completely independent of the NHS. But in this... um, a crisis they have all been well i don't around here they have been taken over by the nhs so the hospitals around here i don't know if it's all over the country have been taken over by the nhs so as i say none of the private hospitals are actually linked to the nhs in, in normal times they're all independent but in this situation they've all been I don't know what I don't know. Don't ask me what's happened behind the scenes, but they've all been taken over by the NHS. So all the private hospitals have their own operating theatres, um, but so that that's the situation here. So it's not like some private hospitals are somehow linked to the NHS and have to do the NHS work. They're all independent, but they've. I think I'm right in saying they've they've been they. Well, maybe I'm not right in saying they've all been taken over because I only work in two, Natalie. I don't really know the, the situation around the country. I better not better not speak out of turn. Um, but certainly the the ones in Birmingham that I work at, let me let me say it like that, have been taken over by the NHS. So when the when this is all over, they'll be independent again and they can do what they want with their operating theatres. Um, I hope that's I hope that's helped. I'm nearly, this is Olivia, I'm nearly at six months post-op arm lift. Just noticed today how good my arm scars are. I think they have just had an improvement. That's good to know. That is good to know. And certainly a lot of emojis there, that's for sure. Angela, most of them have gone to help NHS. Thank you, Angela. There you go. Um, Yeah, I think they have, Angela. I think most slash all maybe, but certainly most, I think, are doing that, are using their theatres because um, they need the GA facilities, the hospitals, um, the NHS hospitals need the um, ventilators for the COVID patients, and the, the I, I'm not sure how it works. Whether they'll take COVID, there is talk about them taking some COVID patients, but certainly the initial work is going to be because uh, obviously people are still getting cancer, people are still getting breast cancer, people are still getting skin cancer. So that's where I'm going to be involved in the breast and skin cancer work. Um, so that there's, um, you know, there's an, still a lot of people who need surgery, um, you know, urgently. And when the NHS can't, can no longer do those urgent surgeries. And as I say, mid April is, I don't know what that's the sort of time frame. then they're going to be, um, then they're going to be doing those urgent surgeries in the private hostels with um, surgeons who work in the private hostels who don't work in the NHS like myself. So they want me to be doing it, uh, doing that sort of work as well as other doctors who are um, like that. 
Um, sorry, say a hospital that only does cosmetic surgery exclusively. Ah, Natalia. So you mean like transform and um, things like that? Oh, yeah. Good point, Natalia. Natalie. It's just Natalie, isn't it? Good point. Um, good point. Hospital group and transform. I don't know about them. That is a good point. Whether they, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd been taken over by the NHS as well. But it's a very good point, uh, Natalie. And I don't know the answer to that. What the you know those groups? Thank you. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yes, help. That's kind. That's good. Uh, definitely here's Santa Maria. Yeah, Angela. Good. Yeah, that's down in Wales. Just the hospital I was going to with for surgery are closed and aren't doing anything with the NHS. Okay. Um, most of ours have. Not that I agree with that at all. Just to add, I think everyone should help with the NHS where they can. Yeah. I mean, maybe the, I don't know. I don't know why that that is. Um, Natalie, I don't know. I don't have anything to do with those hospitals. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but they should tell you, uh, Natalie, shouldn't they? If if they're not been asked to help with the NHS, they're probably still going to be stopped from operating because they're, you know, they're using consumables and using equipment that might be used for this crisis. So they're probably stopped from operating. But whether then, when things relax and things get a bit easier, they'll be able to start sooner. I don't know. I don't know, Natalie. Good point. Good point. Well done. In which hospital's done that? Done it. How many times do I have to come to clinic before slash after surgery as I live far away? Right. Well, the first thing I always say to people who live far away is if you can look for someone closer to home. We do treat people who live far away, but it's always a bit of a thing if you live far away. But uh, uh, happy to see you. But my advice is for people who live in Birmingham, don't go far away for your surgery. So my advice for people who live far away, don't come to Birmingham for surgery, have it done closer to home. But anyway, um, if so in answer to your question, it depends on what the procedure is. If it's a local anaesthetic procedure, areola reduction, inverted nipple, skin lesion, mole, cyst, tattoo removal, something like that, we do what's called a see and treat service, which means you can come for the consultation and have surgery on the same day. Uh, so that would mean that you could come and have surgery and then potentially or that's it we could do all the follow-up virtually we do that i don't like doing it that way to be honest with you um but you know what no matter what i like it can be done that way and you can send us a photo keep in touch see how your scars are getting on we can give you scar advice usually usually it's a dissolvable sutures so you just um you know don't need sutures to take to take off you can just do the dressing yourself uh in a week if it's a general anaesthetic case, breast augmentation, breast reduction, tummy tuck, something like that, then you would need to come to at least one in-person consultation. So say we could do virtual consultations to get a feel and you can have a chat. And I'm now offering two lots of virtual consultations. So I'm offering free 15-minute chats where we talk about any problems you've got or any questions you've got. And then a 45-minute virtual consultation where we do a slide share we can talk in a bit more detail about the procedure you want. And that's really for the bigger procedures, like I should say, the tummy tucks and the breast augmentations, breast lifts, breast reductions. So we could do a virtual one in the first instance, the 45-minute one you do pay for, um, but you then come to the clinic and you don't pay when you come to the clinic when this is all over. So I think you would have to come to the clinic at least once. We would have to see you, examine you, measure your 
um, body and what have you and get a feel of what um, needs to be done. So you would need one in-person consultation prior to coming for the surgery, then you come for the surgery. And then again, it is nice to do the dressing ourselves that week post-op, you know, especially if it's one of the bigger operations. So I think it'd be nice to come for the dressing at a week, week post-op, um, check the wound and what have you. Then next one is normally at six weeks. We can be flexible on that. And we could potentially do that virtual, I guess. So I think the one week one would be nice to see you in person. Then it's the normal regime is a six weeks one, then three or four months, then six months, then yearly. That's a sort of normal regime. But to be honest with you, if everything's going well, we can do them virtually, those ones, I guess, the six weeks and the four months and what have you. If if you live far away and if you're all happy, if everything's fine, obviously, if it's not ha- fine, then come back. But if it is, you know, why not, you know? So I would say for a breast augmentation or breast reduction tummy tuck, it will be one before the operation, obviously coming for the operation, obviously, and then a week post-op dressing are the essential. So three would be essential. The rest, I guess, could be virtual. But I would say plan to come back because you might have a dog here. You might have a bit of a problem with the wound. You know, <clears throat> this is why I say to people it's best not to go abroad for surgery because you might have some issues, some questions. Well, not questions because questions we can talk about, but you might have some issues that we might need to, you know, if you have a dog here or something, I have to fix it, something like that. Um, what's happening? NHS are using Dolan Park Hospital. That's one of the ones that does co- cosmetic. There you go, Tracy. Um, so there you go. Have a sip of your drink. I haven't got a drink. I haven't got a drink. Do I sound like I need a drink? Yeah, I do need a drink. You're right. I haven't got a drink, uh, Olivia. I wonder how David got on. I think he was called David from last week. Do you remember? Yeah. Where is he? I bet he didn't have his surgery, did he? I bet he didn't. He said he spoke to the surgeon that day, didn't he? Yeah, how did Yeah, Stuart. Was it Stuart? (laughs) I think you're right. It was Stuart. It wasn't David, was it? I think it was Stuart. Well done, Olivia. Good memory. Um, Yeah, I wonder how he got on. I don't know. Maybe he's recovering at home somewhere. Hope he's all right. Big up, Stuart. How are you doing, Stuart? We're all thinking of you. Hope hope you're all right and hope you're recovering well. Um, Yeah, it was Stuart. what we got? Where we at? Where we at? Could you explain how the Pico bandage works and make scars heal quicker? So the Pico bandage is something that used to be a, well, still is a machine called a, a VAC machine. It's based on a VAC. So when I was in the NHS and things, we used a VAC, and the VAC is brilliant. The VAC is Vacuum Assisted Closure, VAC, and it is a... Uh, a a sponge so the vac is something you use in hospital and it's a sponge that you put into a wound then you put an airtight dressing and then you make a hole in the airtight dressing and you suck on i guess like a vacuum like a, a vacuum thing and it's continuous negative pressure so it's continually sucking that wound so it's very good if you have a big exudative wound a big wound that's producing a lot of fluid so if someone has a big a big wound like an abdominal wall breaks down after they've had, you know, a lathparotomy and the abdomen all opens up or, um, you know, some big wound which is producing a lot of fluid 
very hard to keep on top of the dressings because you put a dressing on the dressing gets sodden very quickly you have to change the dressings all the time it can be really hard because the wound is sort of sat in this sort of wet dressings all the time so vac is brilliant for those wounds absolutely brilliant for those wounds uh it's a bit of a palaver because you're attached to a machine that's continuously sucking it's continuous negative pressure and it encourages healing it encourages granulation and it really does clean wounds beautifully and then this pico dressing is something that has come from the vac um, and it's a sort of smaller version of it and it's a, like a, a, a plaster that you can put on a smaller wound, which does the same principle, sucks the same way, but it's much smaller. It's a smaller volume and it's a mobile thing. So you can have it at home and you can walk around with it. It's a little, little box attached to the dressing that continuously sucks. And so it works in the same way in that it can, can, is continuous negative pressure. So I wouldn't necessarily say it makes scars heal quicker. It's not really for a scar. It's for a wound. So if you have a wound, it's an open wound that's wet, that's producing fluid, um, then it is good to take away that fluid and have a negative pressure continuously on that wound and to and make it heal quicker. So it makes the wound heal quicker rather than the scar heal quicker. So, you know, a scar sort of implies a healed wound. So it, it, it makes it heal quicker by continuously drawing away that fluid so the dressing doesn't sit you don't sit with a wet dressing on so it's good if you have a wound that's maybe producing fluid maybe not a not a big wound like the vac dressing in the hospital would use but a smaller wound so very good dressing indeed for that and it, and it works by having continuous negative pressure and it's a great thing it's a great great thing um i wonder the same you wondered about the vac or you the pico dressing or or stewart anyway um <laughs> Right, Donetta, you checked a mole on my breast last year. I took your advice and got it checked with the NHS. It was nothing to worry about. However, it's now getting bigger. I th- I'm thinking I should get it removed sooner rather than later so the scar is smaller. Would that be suitable for doing in your clinic? Also, you just mentioned dog ears. Can they be done in your clinic? Yes and yes, Donetta. So absolutely, dog ears definitely can be done in the clinic. Well, assuming how big they are. Um, I don't think you've got big dog ears. If you have like really big dog ears, then you might want to think about doing it in the hospital but certainly sort of normal sized doggies can be done in the clinic and moles definitely can be done in the clinic um and yeah but the only thing about the the um peak the um sorry i've just seen junior about the pico the only thing about the mole on the breast is scar might be a bit more obvious donetta that's the thing i'd be a bit worried about um might be a bit red but yeah if you're worried about it then you know get it removed and sent off absolutely fine yeah both could be done in the clinic donetta no problem at all well once we're back in we're not doing stuff in the clinic at the moment so once we're back in junie's in the house nice to see you junie how are you doing would the pico have been good for a draining a seroma nope no it wouldn't be a junie two reasons why not junie number one reason and probably the most important reason is the volume that the canister holds is not much and often seromas are you know, just fill the canister very quickly um so the seroma is large volume but the second reason is a seroma isn't usually a wound. The seroma is underneath the skin. So PICO is good and VAC negative pressure therapy and negative pressure wound therapy and PWT um, is good at healing wounds and encouraging granulation tissue. So it's when there's an open wound. So a seroma is a collection of fluid underneath the skin. And so a PICO wouldn't be good at that. I mean, a drain might be good at that. You know, that's a negative pressure. So you put a tube in 
which is, has negative pressure into the space and drains it. But you wouldn't, it wouldn't be a Pico because the skin's usually intact with the seroma. You put a Pico dressing on, nothing will happen because it just does, it would just be sucking the skin and do anything. Would the Pico be good for an uplift in implants? Well, only if it's broken down terribly. Well, not terribly, but if only, only if it's broken down, uh, Natalie. So if it's broken down and there's a wound that's producing fluid, then yes. But if it's not broken, so it's, to be honest, it's very rare to use it. I've, I'm trying to think, I'm sure I have used it once. What was it, a tummy tuck or something I had a problem with? But it, it's very rare. This is going back years. You know, it's not a common thing to use, but it. It is, it is, you know, so it's not a routine. I mean, if you just had an uplift in implants, you wouldn't expect to have a Pico dressing. Um, it would be something only rarely if you've got a problem wound. But most times they heal up. You might get a little bit of breakdown, might need a dressing on for a bit. You know, you just ch- change the dressing. Maybe even if you just change the dressing every day, that's okay. But if you're changing the dressing three or four times a day, then you think, flipping out, this is no good. That's when you might be thinking about something like a Pico. But again, can't handle a lot of volume. So if it's got a lot of volume, then might need something more. But yeah, not a routine thing for an uplifted implants, uh, Natalie. But if you had a problem with a wound with an uplifted implants, yes, it might well be an option, an option. How long after weight loss surgery can I have a TT, tummy tuck? My weight has been stable three months. So again, not again. Well, yeah, again, it depends on the surgeon because if it depends if the surgeon is me or some other guy or the NHS, because some surgeons, some clinics, the NHS have, well, actually the NHS don't do tummy tucks. Um, so it, it they have a criteria and your weight needs sometimes six months, sometimes 12 months. And it is important that you have weight, your weight is stable for two reasons. First of all, you don't want the weight to be um bouncing up and down it's not a good time to do surgery if you have a tummy tuck and the weight goes up you're going to put weight on your tummy and it's going to look bad and then if you put weight on and then lose weight you're going to stress the skin and it could give you redundant skin there again so it's just not a good thing if your weight's up and down so you want to make sure your weight is stable that's the graph is stable so that's the first thing the second thing is you don't want to do it too soon after you've been losing weight, because when you're losing weight, you're in a catabolic state. You're in a state where you're breaking your body down, basically. Um, you know, you're burning more calories than you're taking in. And that's not a great way to be having a big surgery, because you have a big surgery and you're asking your body to heal all these big wounds and it's in a catabolic state. That's not great. So you need to lose the weight and then stabilize and be healthy and have a healthy, balanced diet so that you can fight the fight and heal all your wounds um so i think i think six months is reasonable three months is sort of pushing it a bit i think three months i would say to you what you could start looking at consultations with a view to around six months having surgery would be my view um three to six months is reasonable uh but as i say some people will insist on 12 months or or two years sometimes um for those for good reasons and um but, but I think uh, so as long as you understand the reasons, then maybe you can accept it a bit more. So just save me a few hundred pounds. Thank you. For the Pico, they weren't going to charge you for the Pico, were they, Natalie? God, dear. Um, what, because they were going to have a Pico on an uplift and unplanned? Oh, good, yeah. No, I wouldn't routinely do it, uh, Natalie. If you use a Pico, and it's, the Pico is expensive. I didn't want to say anything. It is expensive, a Pico, but usually we would absorb the cost of that. You wouldn't put that onto the patient, especially if they've got a problem with a wound. You're not going to 
charge them extra, are you? Maybe you are, I don't know. How long after tummy tuck should I wait to have thigh lift and breast? So, um, I mean, they're big ops, Olivia, big, big ops. You know that. So there's the first question is how long should I wait? And then the second question is how long do I want to wait? Because should I wait from a medical point of view? Minimum three, probably six, again, three to six months. Do I want to wait? you know, would you be ready to have the next operation three months later? That's assuming it all heals up well, the first one, whichever one the first one is, the thigh lift and the breast. Um, I think you probably wouldn't, to be honest with you. I think three months is too soon. I think you probably want to give yourself at least six months, maybe a year, maybe, a, you know, more than a year to recover. It's a big op. You don't want to go going through another op so soon. So probably six months would be a minimum. But um, I think you need to understand that you probably will be quite knocked back by either of them um the tummy tuck or the thigh lift and the breast surgery i think they will knock you back so you probably wouldn't want to have more surgery for around six months um and it probably i would sort of plan on a year or so really um but uh you know depends on how you feel uh no me tummy first it's a new thing that's on social media and people are raving about them. My clinic has mentioned anything I haven't even asked them. Just I keep seeing people raving about them on social media, so I was going to buy one myself. What, a Pico dressing? Raving on social media, are they? Blimey. Okay. What are they raving about? Been around for a while. Vax been around for years. Pico, um, yeah, no, I wouldn't buy one. Wouldn't buy one, Natalie. Why? Because you haven't got a wound. No, I wouldn't buy one. I mean, to be honest with you, a nurse has to put it on. I wouldn't be putting it on myself. They're a bit, I mean, I think the modern one, when I was back in the day, they're quite a palaver to put on, certainly a vac is. I think the Pico is probably a lot easier to manage. Um, but still, you'd want to be sort of supervised by a nurse, really. I wouldn't recommend buying a Pico dressing and using it yourself in any way, shape or form. I think it needs to be overseen by a nurse, definitely. Um, yeah, hasn't even, yeah, the Pico. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't go down that route there, uh, Natalie. I'd, I'd uh, just, especially if you haven't had some, assuming you haven't had surgery, have the surgery, so yeah, you go, you'll probably be fine. Um, you, you're very unlikely to need one, I would say. Now, I've got reason to believe this is the last question, and I can't even see it all. Can you explain the complications that can occur when you have a new belly button? I'm wondering, oh, look at that scroll, if it's better to do without. So, uh, well, the belly button, well, this is presumably a tummy tuck. I hope it's a tummy tuck that they're asking about. The belly button is a cosmetic thing. It's not needed. You don't need a belly button. It uh, you can remove. In fact, I removed a belly button you know, well the other day, a few couple of months ago. So you can remove belly buttons if people don't want belly buttons. It's a purely cosmetic landmark, and so the complications that can occur when you have a new belly button. Well, there yes, there are complications. The probably the most common thing is wound infection. You have to. It's hard to stitch. You have to stitch it as a circle, and it's hard to stitch. And sometimes it doesn't heal up as well as we'd like. It's a naturally dirty area because it's like a you know, the anatomical salt cellar, they call it. It's a sort of, you know, it's a, um, 
it's a cavity in there so there could be bugs and what have you in there so there's a risk of infection uh, there's a risk it can die if you have too much traction on the on the stalk of the belly button it can die and can cause you a wound and cause problems with healing so there are problems that can occur with a new belly button but still it's usually something that most people want to sort of frame their abdomen and the abdomen will look a bit more normal with it but if you've got a huge apron and if you want to minimize the amount of time you're in the operating theater, because it is a bit of a palaver dealing with the belly button, you know, making sure you isolate it. And there's a certain way we stitch it in to make it look natural. It has to sit in a dip and there's all sorts of things about the belly button. I've written a paper, would you believe, on how to recite the belly button uh, in the most natural way. So there's, you know, there is a palaver into stitching it in and it does take time. So if you're a poor anesthetic risk, and you have a huge apron and you want to have the quickest operation possible to reduce your risk of complications, then the easiest thing would do what we call an apronectomy where you just take the whole thing off, take the belly button button off, melon slice, stitch it up, no undermining, and there's no belly button. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, you no question, you reduce your risks if you don't, if you just throw away the belly button. Uh, you will reduce your risk of wound healing because there is in this risk of wound healing and infe- um, infection problems around the belly button. Uh, but you have to accept that you won't have a belly button, which you might say, yeah, don't care. Fine. Happy days. No belly button. But you have to accept it does, doesn't look quite right, the tummy without a belly button, or I wouldn't say it doesn't look quite right. You might be happy with it, in which case, fine. You don't, you don't, you don't need it. Um, it's just, you know, it's just there. Tracy in the house. Would you say bio oil is the best oil for scars? No, I wouldn't, Tracy. I would not say that. A lot of people rate bio oil. I will say that. But in terms of sort of science, if you like, the best for scars is time. Um, time is the number one best thing for scars. I tell people to moisturize and massage their scars. And I think that does help with the redness. But for me, it's more the massage than what you use to massage with. So I say to people, look, if you've got any hand cream, if you've got any, mo- well, not, maybe not hand cream, body cream or moisturizer that you like, fine. Some people rate bio oil. Some people have, a, have, a, have a vitamin E aloe vera um nivea e45 aqueous cream it doesn't really matter to be honest with you i don't think there's evidence to say one's better than another i think as long as you're massaging giving a bit of massage giving a bit of um pressure on it i think they're all good and uh some people will swear by bio oil others will swear by other stuff um but I think it's mainly the massage that does the thing rather than the bio, bio oil. But there's, you know, no harm in it. And if it works for you, who's to, who, who am I to judge? Uh, go for it. Natalie, thank you. Thank you, Natalie. So that's, um, I'm out. I'm out of questions. I thought that was quite a good haul because it has been quite quiet this week, to be honest with you. It could have gone both ways, I guess. People are at home, so you think they'd ask loads of questions, but... But actually, it's been quite quiet. I was surprised how many questions I had, to be honest, because anyway, I'm very grateful for it. And I want to, you know, encourage you to still, even if you're not having surgery, ask a question, because otherwise I'll be like, oh, my God, I won't even have my Tuesday evening slot to do something in, you know. So please do carry on asking questions. Oh, hold on, Natalie. Just to explain quickly, people went, were saying the Pico helps with scars. So that's why i thinking about purchasing one. I didn't even know that it was what it was for, but I do now. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's not for scars. I, I'm, yeah, it's, it's for wounds. 
<laughs> yeah. So I don't, it's not it's not you wouldn't put it on a healed skin. Yeah. Would you? Oh, I, oh, I got it wrong. I think so. Oh, I think about the same thing. Talk amongst yourself. Thanks. Have a hot drink. I'm going to have a hot, good on you. You get yourself a Horlix, Olivia. Um, let's do a bit of market research. Pico dressing. Sorry. Um, just check before you go that I haven't been giving you bad advice. Pico. Um, Pico bandage. Here we go. See what I mean? This internet's really slow. See? I mean, I know I was late. But this is what I'm up against. Oh, anyway, I think that's what it is. I mean, that I've put in, but look, it's going round and round and round. I mean, is it my house? I mean, that is exceptionally snowy. You wonder why I was late today. Hmm? You're wondering? Well, I think we can all agree that that is an unacceptable length of time to wait for a web page to load. Anyway, I'll go... Um, I know, Riley. Anyway, we'll just assume that's what it is, shall we? Is it the vacuum thing? If it's the vacuum thing, then yeah, I'll do it on my laptop here. Um, then it's... No, MP. It may heal. Yeah, negative pressure wound therapy. Yeah, it is. Pico bandage. It is. I'm all right. I'm all right. It is. Um, yeah, it is. Natalie, I've just checked. I've just checked. It is. It's a negative pressure thing. It's not for a. It's not for a scar. It's for a. It's for a wound. It's not for a scar. You're always late. Yeah, thanks for that, Olivia. Very kind of you. Let you wait next week. You know, I saw that Dr. Frank Plover at B Clinic in Brussels is using the Pico dressing, but I think you have to pay two fifty extra for them. People are raving about them. Why would you rave about them? You only need it for a wound that's a problem. I think some of this is psychological. You know, I think if you put one of these on and you pay two hundred fifty pounds more for it, and you think, yeah, that's great, my wound healed really well. I mean, you hope the wound heals really well without it. All I can say is about my experience. And my experience, I wouldn't use it unless the wound broke down. And I hope the wound doesn't break down. But in what were you asking, Natalie? Was it a lift with implants or a lift or something? It often does break down, down at that T-junction. But again, it normally just needs normal dressings. It doesn't need a Pico dressing. So that's the beauty of plastic surgery, I'll tell you. It's an art, not a science. Everyone's got a view about this and that. And they'll tell you this is the best thing in the world and this is fantastic. But you've got to be a bit careful because there's a lot of non-science about it. And people saying, yeah, you need that. You need this. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, uh, you look at the science, you think, hold on a minute. Do you really need that? You know. Anyway, nice to know I knew. I knew you were. Olivia, oh, God. happy to wait. Okay, you're so right. Yeah, big up myself. Right, let's uh, wrap this up, team, because I think we've all got to go and have a Horlicks. And so I will be seeing you next week. For goodness sake, get some questions in. Because I've not, I've got to be honest, I'm a bit worried. It's a bit like, ooh, a bit quiet out there. Otherwise, I'll have to make some up, all right? And nobody wants that, okay? So let's have some questions in. 
and I will see you next week, even if I have to make some questions up myself. So um, seven o'clock next Tuesday, I'll be seeing you then. Have a good evening and keep going with the lockdown and keep staying away socially from everybody else around you. Hasta la vista. Ciao. See what I mean by the internet? I mean, is that stopped? Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.